that you're here today. And today we start a new series that we're entitling Christmas Stories. And, you know, Christmas by far, for so many of us, is one of our favorite holidays of the year. And one of the things that makes it so special is the fact of the stories of Christmas. And so starting today, we're going to take a look at the stories of Christmas. We're launching today with a sermon titled Girl Stories. And I've had more than one person go, and what is that about? You'll find out in just a moment. And then next week, we're going to talk about Mary's story. And then on December the 11th, uh, we're going to be gone, and Brother Brent will be bringing Joe's story. And then uh, the Sunday before Christmas, we're going to have his story. And then finally, on Christmas Day, the big story. So that's where we're going over the next week. And I hope we can take these scriptures and, and bring new truth that brings them home to us. I think today I am so excited about the message today. If you're going to take your Bibles and turn to Matthew in chapter 1, verses 1 to 6, we're going to start by looking at the genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, one of my favorite secular stories, and you saw it in the video there and on my tie, is how the Grinch stole Christmas. And the reason I like it so much is because it parallels the gospel of Jesus Christ. You remember, of course, the Grinch was was mean and the Grinch was unhappy and the Grinch was was angry and all these different things like so many people today. And then he hated Christmas and he hated the fact that the Who's enjoyed Christmas. And so he goes down and steals all their presents and all of that, hauls it back up to the mountain. And on Christmas morning, he listens, expecting to hear crying and woe. Instead, he hears the singing of the Who's. And what happens? His heart is changed. His heart grew six times, seven times bigger than it was. He rides down the village and learns to celebrate Christmas with his new heart. And what we want to look at today in this genealogy is some Grinches that are in the genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let me ask you a question. Any Grinches here? Any Grinches here? Oh, not that you don't like Christmas, I mean. But, you know, have you had experiences in your life that's left you just a little bit bitter? Have you had experiences in your life when truthfully you feel unworthy? Have you looked back in your past and you go, I made such huge mistakes that God could never use me? Has, has something occurred in your past that has labeled you on your forehead and when people see you, they don't see you, they see that label and the first thing that pops into their mind is something you did? You're going to be amazed to find out that in the genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ, that's exactly what happens. Now, in Matthew chapter 1 and verses number 1 through 6, we're not going to look at the whole genealogy, but we want to look particularly at something very unusual. Normally in a Jewish genealogy, there would not be any girls. But guess what? In the genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ, Matthew includes not one, not two, not three, not four, not uh, four, but five girls in the genealogy. We're going to look at four today, and the last one we'll look at next week when we hear about Mary's song. So it's very, very unusual that we have ladies or women included in the genealogy. But not only that, these women were Grinches. These women were the biggest losers. And it's crazy is that we find them. Of course, by the way, ladies, there's plenty of guys. We just don't have time to talk about them this morning that really are losers and, and Grinches in the genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ. So Matthew, of course, was a Jew, and um, he was a tax collector. He was an ace number one Grinch. He, he made his living by stealing from people. He was employed by the Roman government to collect taxes. And you know the rule. I've told you several times. 
The rule was, if the tax was this much, Rome would say, whatever else you can get from the people, you can keep. And so he robbed people through overtaxing them. And in the Jewish mindset, he was somewhere below pine scum. I mean, he was at the very, very, very bottom of the pile. And one day, Jesus walked up. And without saying, you need to change, you need to do this, he just simply said this, follow me. Follow me. And incredibly, Matthew did exactly that. And he started following the Lord Jesus Christ. He left behind what had to be a very lucrative career and followed Jesus Christ. And he no longer was a Grinch. And so God used Matthew to write the gospel of who's buried in Grant's tomb? Grant. Who wrote the gospel of Matthew? Matthew, this, this, this Grinch, this former Grinch, God used to write. And so since he's a Jew writing for Jews, the, he knew the genealogy would be very, very important. So he gives the genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the Bible says then, and I, I, I almost, as I'm studying this message, going, okay, God, do I need to apologize for your word before I even start? And I said, well, I can't do that. And because and, you're going to hear some pretty wild stories today, okay? And so I said, well, I'll, I'll definitely, will, I will not use one of the real modern translations because somebody will go, yeah, those modern translations. And I said, I better go back and use the New King James at least so you won't think I'm making this stuff up, okay? So here we have, in Matthew chapter 1, we hear these words. The historical record, now again, in those days, most likely Matthew went to the, to the temple where he could find the lineage, the genealogy of different people, and he found the lineage of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the historical record of Jesus Christ, and that's what he starts by doing, he says Jesus, and that meant Savior, and Christ meant Messiah. So the historical record of the Savior Messiah, and then he does two things, the son of David. Because he's presenting Jesus Christ as coming as a Jewish king. So he connects him in lineage to King David. Very, very important. And also says this, the son of Abraham. He wanted to prove that Jesus was 100% Jewish. So he kicks off by saying, this is the story of the Savior of the world, who is the Messiah, who is the Christ, who has the right to the throne of David, and who is a true Jew. And then he goes off. Here we go. The Bible says there, Abraham, and by the way, let me, let me pause here. When you see Abraham fathered there, it's the ancestor of, because, and that's important, I won't take time this morning to explain it, but I hope you'll get your, I hope I'll just wet your whistle so much you'll go home and read these stories in their entirety. Abraham fathered Isaac, and Isaac fathered Jacob, and Jacob fathered Judah and his brothers, and there is a story there like you would not believe. Judah fathered Perez and Zerah, by Tamar. There's our first lady. Perez fathered Hezron. Hezron fathered Aram. Aram fathered Adimadab. Adimadab fathered Nashon. Nashon fathered Salmon. Salmon fathered Boaz by Rahab. There's our second lady. Boaz fathered Obed by Ruth. There's our third lady. Obed fathered Jesse. And Jesse fathered King David. Then David fathered Solomon by Uriah's wife, who was, come on, Bathsheba. There's our fourth lady. So crammed in this are some incredible stories about different kinds of people. And as we look, I want you to look at your life, and I want you to see that no matter what your past is, no matter what your station life is, there is hope for you. 
Because this is a story of God's amazing grace. We start out with this lady named Tamar. Now, Tamar's byline would be this. I did it my way. I did it my way. Here's how it goes. Jacob had 12 sons, and one of those was named Judah. And Judah, of course, married a lady, and that lady produced three sons. The three sons were named Ur, Onan, and Shelah. Now, how would you like to be named Shelah? I mean, you know, you heard the boy named Sue? But what's your name, son? Sheila? I mean, that'd be a rough life. All right? So, these boys grew up, okay, and Ur got married. And Ur married Tamar. Now, there's a really cool story. Don't lose sight of this, okay? So, he and Tamar got married. And all the Bible tells us is this, that Ur was a really wicked guy. And you know what God did? Killed him. Genesis 38, God killed Ur. So now we have Tamar, who is now a widow. In that culture, in those times, the widow would then become married to the next brother in line so that his, the brother's lineage could be carried on. So Tamar was then married to Onan. Now, Onan didn't think too much of that. In fact, he married her because he had to, but he refused to do whatever was necessary to continue the line. He just said, this child will not be mine. I don't want to do it. And guess what God did to him? Killed him too. Now, if you're Judah, okay, if you're Judah, and you've lost Ur, and now you've lost your second son, Onan, you only got this guy named Sheila left. And you're going, what's the common denominator here? Ur and Tamar... Onan and Tamar, Sheila and... Oh, this doesn't sound good. So he, told, he tells Tamar, he said, I'll tell you what. Why don't you go down and live with your parents? And then, when, when Sheila gets a little bit older, I'll send for you and y'all can get married and you continue to offspring that away. The reason Judah said that was not because Sheila was too young. It's just that he didn't want to lose his third son with this Tamar person. And so, you know, Tamar sits there and sits there and sits there. And finally, something happens. Judah's wife dies. Okay? He goes to the time of the morning. And then finally he goes, I think I'll go up and shear some sheep. And so he decides to go up to Timrah and shear some sheep. Okay? He takes a bud with him, a friend with him. And word gets back to Tamar, hey, your father-in-law is going up to shear sheep. At Timbra, I think it was. Okay, so she goes, hmm, I need to do something. Because if I don't do something, nothing is going to happen. So you know what she did? She dressed up like a prostitute. This is cool. You ought to read your Bible. You ought to read your Bible. So she dresses up like a prostitute and goes and stands by the road where she knows Judah is going to pass by. And sure enough, here comes Judah. And she's got her little prostitute veil on, you know. She's doing her prostitute thing. And Judah goes, hey, there's a prostitute. So he goes up to her. You ought to read your Bible. He goes up to her and says, hey, what would it take for me to be able to have relations with you? And um, I don't know if she said what you got or he said, here's what I got. But basically, they settled on the price of a goat. And so Tamar says, 
well, where's the goat? He goes, well, I don't carry that kind of cash with me. And she goes, well, okay, give me the signet and the cord. He would wear a necklace around his neck with a stone on it with his engraving on it. Give me that and give me your staff. And then when you bring the goat, I'll give it back to you. Judah says, okay. So they go and steal the deal. Okay? So he leaves and she goes back, takes off the prostitute garments and put on her widowhood again. And three, well, in the meantime, Judah goes up to where they're shearing the sheep and gets a goat, sends it back by his friend, and they ask the guy, hey, you guys, have y'all seen a prostitute around here? And the guy said, uh, no, no, there's never been a prostitute here. So the friend goes, hmm. So he takes the goat back to Judah. Isn't this an incredible story? He takes the goat. You all try to study for this. So he traced the goat back to Judah and says, look, man, there is not a prostitute. They said never been a prostitute. And he said, well, then tough luck. She can just keep my sigma and my staff. We tried. We don't want to be the laughing stock of the community. Time passes. Three months passes. And that's where our scriptures on our sermon sheet picks up today. The Bible says this. And it came to pass about three months after that Judah was told. Now, listen to this. Judah was told, hey, Tamar, your daughter-in-law has played the harlot. Furthermore, she is with child by being a harlot. So word gets back. You know how it is. Word gets back. Hey, Judah, have you heard about Tamar? No, what's going on? She has been playing the harlot. What? Yeah, she's been playing the harlot. And listen, knowing that, she is expecting a child through the business. And oh, Judah, listen, listen Mr. Self-righteous Judah. Okay? He gets fired up. Okay? So Judah said, bring her out and let her be burned. A lot of compassion there. A lot of family loyalty there. Let her be burned. So when Tamar was brought out, she said to her father-in-law, saying, By the man to whom these belong, I am with child. And then she said, Would you please determine whose things these are? The signet, the cord, and the staff. So she's been drug out to be burned and said, oh, would you send a message to Judah saying these belong to the man that fathered this child and it's the signet and the staff. And watch what happens. And Judah acknowledged them, a little bit of integrity, and said, she has been more righteous than I because she did not give her, because I did not give her to Sheila, my son. Is that an incredible story? And she goes on to have twins, of which Perez is one, which is mentioned in the genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ from that union. Okay? Now, now listen to this. She was very fortunate. She did it her way, and she could have lost her life. She did not wait on God to be the avenger, took matters in her own hand, and almost got burned in the stake for doing that. Let me ask you a question. In your past, is there something you did it your way? And you need to know there are consequences, aren't there? I'm glad to report something to you. If you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, even when we do things our own way, there is forgiveness. And secondly, and secondly, listen to this. There's a verse you need to know that you already know. That even when we do crazy things, that there's a promise 
in Romans 8, 28. All things work together for good to those who love God for the called according to His purpose. Dwayne, what are you saying? I am saying this. Even in our stupidity, God is able to bring good when we do things our way. Doesn't make it right. Doesn't vindicate it. I'm just telling you that our God is so great and powerful, He can bring good even out of our own stupidity spiritually. And if you're here without the Lord Jesus Christ today, you need to know something. There's a, there's a tomb, and you know the name, I can't remember it, when you drive into Sunset Gardens or Lawn, whatever it is, and there it is, a big old mausoleum, and written across the top it says, Yes, I did it my way. And if you try to do it your way spiritually, you will end up in a place called hell. Proverbs says, There's a way that seemeth right to a man, but the ends are the ways of death. There are people who say, I will deny God. I will do what I want to do. There are people, maybe someone sitting here, I will be righteous enough. I will be good enough. I will go to church enough. I will be baptized. I will be a Baptist. I'll be a Methodist. I'll go to Africa. And you know something. All those are the ways of death. Because there's one way. And it's through a Savior on old rugged cross. Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. In the small things of life, even after you're a believer, it's an incredible thing that God can turn those around. But I'm telling you, when it comes to salvation, any other way but Jesus Christ will end in spiritual death. Tamar, I did it my way. Incredibly. With that sword passed, and that's just a little bit of the story. With that sword passed, Tamar is in the genealogy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Is that incredible? Oh, by the way, did I mention? Yeah, she was a Gentile. A Gentile. Now, the second person mentioned was a lady named Rahab. Now, do you all remember Rahab? Who was Rahab? Rahab the... Harlot. Now I'm telling you, see, some of y'all push back from well, you all not be that that's kind of racy, but but it's God's word. I promise you, when Matthew was writing this, somebody in the church was going, You don't want to include that one in the book. Rahab the harlot is in the genealogy of our Lord Jesus Christ. Her story goes something like this. She lived in Jericho. And and Joshua sent a couple of spies into Jericho because they were going to conquer the land and conquer the city. So they get in there, okay, and the king gets word that there are spies in the land. So the spies go to Rahab's place. Okay, now, there is a chance that Rahab also had like an inn, okay, like a place to stay. But the bottom line is the two guys ended up in Rahab's house. She takes them up to the roof and hides them, okay, here comes the king, king's guys. Hey, we heard that you had a couple of guys here. And she goes, what's unusual about that? No, they, they came, but they left. They went out the gate. If you hurry, you can probably catch them. Then Rahab, the harlot, goes up to the roof where the two guys are hiding. And she says something like this. We know, I know, that you serve a great God. We have heard how that your God 
parted the Red Sea and the nation walked over on dry ground. We have heard the amazing things that your God has done and our heart is melting within us because we know we're going to die because God is on your side. Just like I show kindness for you now, would you show kindness to me? And the two spies said, that sounds fair. That sounds fair. So they came up with a plan. Here's what they said. When we get ready to attack the city, we want you to hang a scarlet thread out the window. Now, her house was built on the wall, so the thread would hang outside the walls. And, and when we see the scarlet thread, we'll know that that's your house. And whoever is in your house, all of your relatives, whoever you want to put in there, of your relatives, if they're in your house, we will not let them die. And, and Rahab says, sounds good to me. So she hit them a little bit longer. She sent them out to go into the hills for three days, hide there. The, the, tra- the people looking for them came back, and the spies went back to Joshua and said, here's the story, here's the deal, we're going to take the land. Oh, by the way, we met this prostitute. Okay? And here's the deal with her. So now Joshua is fixing to conquer the city. Now look at your sermon sheet. We're in Joshua chapter 6. Joshua chapter 6, verse 22. But Joshua had said to the two men who had spied out the country, Go unto the harlot's house, and from there bring out the woman and all that she has, as you swore her. And the young men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab, her father, her mom, her brothers, and all that she had. And so they brought out all her relatives and left them outside the camp of Israel. But they burned the city and all that was was in it with fire, only the silver and gold. And the vessels of bronze and iron they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. And Joshua spared Rahab the harlot, her father's household, and all that she had. Now watch this. So she dwells in Israel to this day because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. Now imagine this. Here is a woman who made her living as a prostitute. And I am certain if anybody would say, I am unworthy to be included in that group, it would be a person like Rahab. And yet we find her listed in the genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ. Is there something in your past where you'd say, I'm unworthy? I'm unworthy to be called a believer in Jesus Christ. God wouldn't want me. You don't know what I've done. You know what God said about a guy named Abraham? He was a pagan too, by the way. God said this. God's Word says that Abraham, God counted Abraham righteous because he believed God. You have made Abraham righteous in God's sight? Faith. He believed God. Come on, folks. He believed God. And you know what happened? Do you know what happened when, when the boys left, those, those two guys left? You know what Rahab did? It says in the Scripture. She went to the window. She didn't wait a week, Brent. She didn't wait two weeks. She didn't wait a month. She didn't say, I wonder if I'll pray about it. She didn't say, should we have a committee meeting about it? She didn't call a family group meeting about it. She went to the window and hung the thread out. You know why? She believed. She believed. And when she believed, when she exercised that faith, and guess what? She was spared the wrath 
that fell on Jericho. I'm telling you, folks. There's a whole bunch of us who believe God. And because of that, we're going to heaven. Now, if you're here today and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, I want to tell you something. We're not going to heaven because we're good. Not on our merit. Come on, Baptists. We're, we're not. Listen, I know, I know, I know. We send the message to you that because we come to church, we're better than you. We're sending you a lie because we're better than nobody. We just want to claim today 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. He, Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus through Him. We, listen, we are righteous today, but not because we go to church, not because we're Baptists, not because we wear ties, not because we carry big black Bibles. We are righteous today because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ has been put on my and your account. That's why we're righteous. Now I want to tell you something. If you're sitting here today and say, Dwayne, you don't know my account You don't know how wretched I've been. I am telling you, no matter how unworthy you see yourself, the grace of God is greater and His righteousness will be sufficient for you. I'm telling you, that'll rock your life, man. I'm telling you. Rock your life. Y'all, I've been trying... I've been trying to decide whether to use this word or not. I was reading Oswald Chambers. And you King James people... He didn't live during King James, but he was way back there. He writes in Old English style. And so he's talking about how that we don't want to be received as shallow Christians. We want to be received as deep Christians. And he said, be very careful that you don't become a spiritual prig. P-R-I-G. And you know, hey, I, what's a prig? <laughs> so I got my dictionary out and looked it up. And a prig is someone who rests in their own pride and arrogance, spiritually. And it's a very dangerous thing to be a spiritual prig. And it's a very dangerous thing to count yourself as a pig. Amen? I'm telling you, through the grace of God, He reaches down. If we have a piggish past, He can give us a new past. He washes away the pig genes and puts in Jesus' genes. But then we have this tendency to be spiritually pride of what we did nothing about. Oh, look at me. I go to church. Oh, look at me. I give money. Oh, look at me. I clean up good. Oh, look at me. I don't drink and I don't smoke and I don't chew and I don't run around with girls. Who do? We get all puffy and proud. And exactly, sir or ma'am, what are you proud about? Do you not understand you had absolutely nothing to do with your salvation besides receive the free gift of the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you not understand that by the grace of God that no matter how much or how little you have or what talents or abilities or talents you have, it's all because of the grace of God. We can't boast in anything but Jesus. All I have is Christ. All I have is Christ. That'll help you go a long way. And I wonder if that's why Miss Rahab made the cut. In our Lord and Savior's genealogy. You wouldn't have put him in there. You'd have been very careful to put all the pretty white lambs. But God says, no. The truth is, in the genealogy of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
there's a whole lot of black sheep. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Then we come to Ruth. Ruth is that bright star. And I don't even have time to begin telling you this story. So we're going to make it as short as we can. We're going to make it as short as we can. Although I want you all to know, I'll get my watch. I can get the pulpit by 11 o'clock. Just, just letting you know. Just letting you know. Okay? But, but here's, here's the story. Okay? Real brief. Naomi, a woman named Naomi and her husband, Abimelech, went down to Moab because there was a famine in the land, had two sons. The two sons married Moabite women. The, here they go again. The husband dies. The sons die. So we got three widow ladies. And finally, Naomi says, I'm going back home. They start going back home. And finally, Naomi says, listen, girls, I have no more sons for you. Go back to Moab and live with your people. Find you a husband there. Uh, Orpha says, okay, I'll go. Ruth says, I ain't going nowhere. I really think that Ruth got a dose of God. Even though Naomi became so bitter, I think she got a dose from God. She saw God in her. And Ruth would not leave for nothing. They go back to Bethlehem. When she got there, look, they said, oh, look, there's Naomi. And she goes, don't you call me Naomi. Call me Myra. You know what Myra means? Bitter. How would you have guessed? She said, God has taken my husband. God has taken my sons. God has just done all these things to me. She's a pretty bitter woman. So she's got Ruth and Naomi. And so finally Ruth said, I need to go find us some food. And so long story short, she goes down and just happens to get in a field, a field of a guy named Boaz who happened to be a relative of Naomi. Boaz was a great guy. And Boaz and, Naomi, Boaz and Ruth fall in love and they live happily ever after. Read the book of Ruth. It's four chapters. Okay? An incredible story. But, but what I want to touch on today is this. Ruth had a past. We don't know a whole lot about living in in Moab. But we know this. They were a pagan society. They worshipped the god Chermoth, a a, a fake foreign god. They practiced, at least to some degree, human sacrifice. They probably practiced religious sexual sin. In the context of religion, they had sexual sin. Ruth grew up in a really difficult culture. Anyone here grew up in a really difficult place? Anyone here today, you look back at your past and say, I, I've got a bad past. All I want to tell you is this. God is able to take care of your past. Now, you know what God does? God, when, when we receive Jesus Christ as Savior, God erases our past and writes us a brand new future. Ruth. God would say to Ruth, Ruth, I know you came up a Moabite. I know you worship false gods. I know you probably witnessed human sacrifice. You may have even been a victim of sexual sin in the name of religion. But Ruth, I'm telling you, my grace is sufficient for you. And God's grace is sufficient for you today. God would say to Ruth, and God would say to you today, Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. Come. Let us reason together. Though your sin be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. 
if you're battered by your past, if you are overwhelmed with guilt over your past, my grace is sufficient. Look what, look what happens. This is found in Ruth chapter 4, verse 13 through 17. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. And when he went in to her, the Lord gave her conception and she bore a son. Then the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a close relative. And may his name be famous in Israel. And may he be to you a restorer and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is better to you than seven sons, has bore him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her bosom, and she became a nurse to him. Also the neighbor women came and gave him a name, saying, This is a son born to Naomi. And they called his name Obed. He is the father of Jesse, the father of David. Out of a woman, a Moabitess, a pagan woman, comes the very lineage, the close lineage of the, of the uh, King David and eventually the Lord Jesus Christ. Is that not incredible? Is he a God of grace or not? That's why what Mark was saying is so incredible. This, this is not a work salvation. The only... Only religion in the world that's based on grace is the story of Jesus Christ. And there's a world out there who's working and working and working and dying and going to hell. But his is a story of grace. Of grace. Quickly. The last woman is the most famous. And this is David and Bathsheba. And you know the story David should have been out in battle. He wasn't. He was on the rooftop. Saw Bathsheba bathing. Finds out who it is. Brings her in there. And, and they have a one-night stand. That's basically what happens. Later on, just a little bit further down the road, God brings a prophet and says, you know, here's a story. And you're guilty. And David says, I've sinned. Bathsheba has a child. And because of the, the gravity of the sin... God does not allow the child to live. The child dies. You know, it's not fair. You know, when you think about David, you don't think about Bathsheba or no adultery. Come on, really. I mean, yeah, yeah. what do you think of? David, the giant killer. The 15-year-old kid who says, hey, come here, bud. I'm going to give you a haircut. You know what you think about? Don't you think about David, a man after God's own heart. David, the great king of Israel. And when you think about Bathsheba and David, you play the, well, yeah, but he was a man after God's own heart. Have you noticed you never hear that about Bathsheba? Bathsheba was the adulteress. She wore the scarlet leather. Something like that in your past. And frankly, because of the consequences, you'll notice in the genealogy of Jesus Christ, then David fathered Solomon by Uriah's wife. God didn't erase the consequences for Bathsheba. And you need to understand something. When there's a nuclear bomb in your past, there is definitely forgiveness, but those consequences will follow you. When a bomb, nuclear bomb goes off, there's the initial blast, and then there's long-term radioactivity. Radioactivity. That's what it is with grave sins such as this. But 
David so often gets his past because man after God's own heart. He was an adulterer. Because of him, 70,000 men died later on when he chose to number the army. 70,000 died. But you know what? God forgave David. Amen? Come on, amen? And God forgave Bathsheba. God forgave Bathsheba. Look what it says here. It's really cool. This is found in 2 Samuel 12, 24 through 25. Then David comforted Bathsheba, his wife, and went into her and lay with her. And so she bore a son, and he called his name Solomon. Now the Lord loved him, and he sent word by the hand of Nathan the prophet, the same guy who said, you are the man. So he called his name Jedidiah. Because of the Lord. You know what Jedediah means? Beloved of the Lord. Solomon was beloved of the Lord. Even though it came from a, a real sword past, God loved Solomon. And I think, I think, without any way stretching the Word of God, I think as your pastor, as a teacher today, I could safely say this. The message to Bathsheba was, Bathsheba, what you did was wrong, but I love you, and I can still use you. Can I hear an amen on that? I love you, and I can still use you. Now, what you did was wrong, but I love you, and I can still use you. And he did. She did. He did. He, he, he allowed her to be the mother of Solomon. The later successor of King David. Pretty incredible. Pretty incredible. You know, God's grace really is sufficient. So, now, now try to put aside, just think for a moment. Try to put aside, yeah, buts, and, and you know my stories, and just let me ask you a question. Is there a time in your past when you did it your way and you made a mess? Sure there is. Yeah. Did you make a mess and because of that you feel unworthy? Perhaps like Rahab the harlot? Do you live a life today and you wake up every day, even though you're a believer in Jesus Christ, but you wake up every day saying, I'm so unworthy because my past haunts me? As your past haunts you, does the letter tattooed on your forehead affect how you live in Jesus today? It speaks of salvation. But here's what it says. For by grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. When God extends what we do not deserve. We can't earn it. We can't claim it as far as we manufactured it. For by grace, you have been Saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. 
not of works, lest any man should boast. If you're here today, and you're here because it's Thanksgiving weekend and the whole family is coming to church. You're here today because your wife made you. You're here today because your mom and dad made you. You're here today because you're at wit's end and you say, I might as well try church. Nothing else seems to work. i got great news for you. That no matter what you've done, you can be saved by God's grace. He doesn't care how rich or poor. He doesn't care about your skin color. He doesn't care how big you've sinned in your eyes. Because we've all sinned. We've all come short of the glory of God. And if you, by faith, will believe that 2,100 years ago, a guy we shouldn't even know about named Jesus, he was an obscure carpenter, should not even know his name today, and yet something like 35% of the world knows that Jesus is, is connected with God, the true God, if by faith you'll believe that this man died for your, your sins, he paid the price for your sins, God's wrath was poured out of him that you could be forgiven. If you'll believe that, if you will believe that he was buried and on the third day resurrected, if you believe today he's the living Son of God, then there can be forgiveness for you. It's not about what church you go to. I'm, I'm going to preach it till I'm breathless. God is not impressed with the fact you're a Baptist. If you're planning on getting up there to heaven, knocking on that gate going, I'm here and I'm a member of Dorsville Baptist Church, good luck. Because the closest you're going to get to heaven is right here. That's it. It's by the blood and by God's grace through faith or it's not. And no matter what you've done, friend, no matter if you've been a church member for, for 25 years or 20 years, and you realize today, I've never done that. I've been baptized. I've been trying to be good. No matter what your case, His grace is sufficient today. And watch this verse 10. This is the finale. For we are His workmanship. Translated, we are His masterpieces. Created, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That is Tamar's story. Tamar is in the genealogy of the Lord Jesus because, because she became one of God's masterpieces. And she was created unto good works, which God ordained beforehand. Come on now, Baptist. The reason Rahab the harlot was in the genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ because God made her a masterpiece by His amazing grace. And she, is, she was created for good works beforehand. The reason, the reason Ruth is in, that Ruth is the stellar star of the show, but the reason Ruth is in the genealogy is because God made her a masterpiece. He created good works for her to do beforehand. And the reason... The lady with the scarlet letter. The reason Bathsheba is in the genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ is because God made her a masterpiece. And ordained her to good works that He created beforehand. And I'm going to tell you something. Look at me. If God can do it for Tamar, if God can do it for Rahab, if God can do it for Ruth, if God can do it for Bathsheba, He can do it for you. And someone here today needs to hear this. 
If you're a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, He already has. Get over your past. Get over your past. Satan regularly picks up hammers and loves to take them and just hit you in the head. You've done this in the past. You've done that in the past. He loves beating God's children up with their past. And I'm telling you, you've got to to confess your sin as a believer in Jesus Christ, and you've got to repent of your sin. This idea of going back and doing the same sin over and over again and call it repentance ain't biblical. But when we truly confess and when we truly repent, God forgives, let the past be the past and be used of God today. So what's your story? For some of you today, it needs to be written starting today. Today your story starts with faith in Jesus Christ. For some of you, it may be a new chapter in the book where you experience and understand God's grace. And by the way, real quick, yeah. Paul, Paul had a past. The Apostle Paul, he uh, was responsible for Christians being put in jail and probably even killed. Here's what Paul said. Forgetting those things which are behind. Would you say that one, please? Forgetting those things which are behind. I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So some of you need to let God write your story today. Brother Brent will be standing down front. I know there's a lot of people here. I'm going to have them bow their heads and close their eyes. They will not be looking. It shouldn't matter, but, but they won't be looking. Come and take Brent by the hand and say, I want God to write my story today. I want to experience His amazing grace because of the Son, Jesus Christ. Some of you need to come and say, Hey, Brent, or just at this altar, or maybe right where you are, Hey, God, God, thank you for writing a new chapter today. Today, the past becomes the past. Today, hey, God, today, I did it my way. I, re- I acknowledged that was wrong, and I put it in my past. Hey, hey, God, I did something that I was so, just marked me as unworthy. Today it's in the past. God, I got the scars in my background, in my history, and they haunt me. Today they're in the past. Hey, God, I've got this tattoo on my forehead. And by the way, people won't let me forget it. But I know that you forgot it. And today it's in the past. It's in the past. Bow your heads, please. Father, in the precious name of Jesus Christ, I want to thank you for your word. How courageous, Father, of Matthew to include these stories that we may know your grace is sufficient. Father, for some of my friends here today, they need to experience your grace for the first time right here, right now. We know, God, you must draw them. It's not when we're ready on our account. But I ask in Jesus' name through the Holy Spirit, you'll draw people to the cross today, to your amazing grace. Jesus, I ask that in your name. And Father, for those of us who have already received forgiveness, but Satan does an incredibly good job of beating us up, may we now today start a new chapter. And put the past in the past. And God, one more thing. If there's some of us here today 
we're so incredibly spiritually proud that somehow we figured out in our brain that you're blessed because we're on your team. Break our hearts over our pride. May we once again be humbled by the fact that it's because of your grace we are what we are, what we will be, and all that we have is because of you. And Jesus, I pray this in your precious name. Amen.